You're listening to the Pursuit of Christ podcast, where we are passionate about developing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ by taking the truths of Scripture and applying them to everyday life. We hope that you'll be encouraged and challenged as we examine God's Word together today. All right, everybody. Well, good morning and welcome to our uh, to our next episode here of Promised Land. Uh, I'm excited to be back with you today. Uh, so Pastor Will and Pastor David are heading back uh, tonight. So they get in uh, late this evening. So I'd encourage you to be praying for them as they travel and, and come back uh, and get back home later this evening. We're excited to have them back in town. But I'm excited today to be able, able to open up the text and just share with you from God's Word. Uh, but before we go ahead and jump into the text this morning, let's go ahead and just have a quick word of prayer, ask the Lord to help us, and then we'll look at the end of Joshua chapter 7 this morning. All right, but let's open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to open up the, the text of Scripture, to, to jump into your word today. I pray that you help me to rightfully divide the word of truth, and that, uh, that this text would be a blessing and an encouragement uh, as we continue on in our week today. We'll give you the honor and glory for everything that's done. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so I know Billy yesterday, just to kind of recap where we've come through uh, Joshua chapter 7. So in Joshua chapter 7, we have uh, in the first part of the chapter, right? So at the end of chapter 6, you've got the city of Jericho is overthrown. It falls down, okay? And, and God works an incredible victory for the nation of Israel. And then at the beginning of chapter 7, Joshua gets complacent. He sends spies to Ai. Uh, the spies come in and say, it's a tiny city. No big deal. Don't even send everybody. Send like 3,000 guys and we can go and take this city. And in nowhere in that text did Joshua consult the Lord. And so he sends his 3,000 men. They go and they are soundly defeated uh, before the gates of Ai. And then Joshua really grieves over Israel's loss. And this is what uh, this is what Billy covered with you yesterday. And so starting in verse 6, Joshua rent his clothes and fell on his face before the earth. And then God gives him a command. He says, get up. Right. And then in verse 13, up and sanctify the people and he gives instructions and really we want to touch on verse 15 here and then we'll jump into the rest of the rest of the text but this is what it says in joshua chapter 7 and verse 15 and it shall be that he that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire he and all that he hath because he hath transgressed the covenant of the lord and because he hath wrought folly in israel and so that's where, that's where we've come up to this point in the text. And now in Joshua chapter seven and verses 16 through 26, that individual is going to be identified and punished. So let's start in verse 16. And I think it'd be helpful for us to just take a couple of minutes and read these verses. And so we'll look at, uh, we'll look at these 10 verses together, starting in verse 16. So Joshua rose up early in the morning. And brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. So they're going to work through a process here to determine who the guilty party is. So they come to the tribe of Judah. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerhites, and he brought the family of the Zerhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. So Achan has been identified as the individual that took the accursed thing. And in verse 19, And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. 
And Achan answered Joshua, and he said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold and 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and I took them and behold, they are hid in the earth in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. And Joshua sent messengers and they ran under the tent and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and they laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, uh, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. So there's a couple of things here. Okay, first, when God tells Joshua in chapter 7 and verse 15 that he is going to identify the individual, there is no doubt in my mind as they start this process to determine, and we don't know how exactly this process went down to try to determine who the guilty party was. Perhaps they cast lots. That was a common, uh, that was a common indicator in the Old Testament, or perhaps the Lord was communicating with Joshua. We don't know for sure, but we do know that there's little doubt, right? That Achan is going to be the one that is identified. And I don't think there's any doubt in Achan's mind. And we know that we cannot get away with our sin, that the Lord sees it all. And it goes back, I'm, I'm teaching right now through the book of Jonah uh, in our Sunday night growth classes here at the church. And in Jonah, it's the same way. The sailors come together and they say, uh, whose fault is it that this calamity comes upon us? And they start to cast lots. And there's no doubt in my mind that Jonah knew that that lot was going to fall before him. And, and I see the same thing here. Achan knows that God is sovereign, that God is providential. And I don't think there's any doubt in Achan's mind that he is going to be the one that is identified. And I think that we see that in Achan's response. Look at, uh, look at uh, verse 19. Joshua sent unto Achan, my son. And then what Joshua says to Achan here is kind of weird. I, I just want to address it. In, in verse 19, he says, Give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and, met, and make confession unto him. And it's like, well, Achan is the one that sinned. Achan is the one that's identified as the culprit. And Joshua tells him, give glory to God and make confession. But I think that those two are actually connected. Those two ideas of giving glory to God and making confession are actually connected in the text. And so Joshua is telling Achan, by your confession, you will give glory to God. So Achan has violated the covenant. He's brought this accursed thing into the nation of Israel. It is his fault that they've been smitten before the gates of Ai. So he is a reproach to the nation. And Joshua is saying, look, you have an opportunity through your confession to give glory to God. So it makes sense when you take it as those two things are working together rather than as two separate items. Give glory to God and make confession. He says, tell me now what thou hast done. And Achan tells Joshua the truth. He is honest here about the text, even to the fact that the silver is hidden underneath the other items in the tent. But there's something else that I want you to notice in verse 21. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the confession of Achan and the confession of Eve 
in the Garden of Eden are very, very similar. There's a lot of correlations between the two. And I know, I believe it's in the book of James where it tells us that really all of temptation stems from three things, from the lust of the flesh, from the lust of the eyes, and from the pride of life. And I think that we see those three things here in the text. Achan says, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, that's the lust of the eyes, right? So he looked and he saw that it was good. But then what else did he see? 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight. And then what happens? He coveted them. That's the lust of the flesh. And so Achan looks and he sees and he is tempted by the, by the riches that he sees in Jericho. And as a result, he covets in his flesh. And then what he does is when he takes, he actually puts his own needs and he puts his own desires over those of the covenant people, over the commandments of God. And that is the pride of life. So his, his, the temptation, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life work together, and they entrap and they ensnare Achan in the city of Jericho. And he takes, he elevates himself over the rest of the nation. He elevates his own desires over the covenant and the commandment of God. And as a result, he jeopardizes the entire nation. And Joshua sends his messengers and they go and they look in the tent to see whether or not Achan is telling the truth. And he absolutely is, even to the minute detail that the silver is underneath the other items. And so Joshua brings them out and Achan receives his punishment for his sin, for his idolatry. Joshua says, why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. I think that that speaks to, so you have stoning, you have burning with fire, and you have stoning with stones. Again, I think that those three things put together emphasize just the totality of the judgment. So it's not like Joshua threw some stones at him, burned them, and then threw more stones at him. Rather, this is this whole phrase put together, right? So they, they stoned them, and then they burned the bodies when they were finished. But this whole that whole phrase just speaks to the totality of the destruction. And I think we have to acknowledge when we look at this text that Sin is totally destructive. And I think all of us, if we're honest, can speak in our own lives or speak in the lives of people that we love or care about, and we can see the total destructive nature of sin. And then there's something else that I think is interesting when you look at verse 26. They raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. The Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor, literally the Valley of Trouble, unto this day, unto the time that this account was written. But if you remember when Joshua and the nation of Israel cross over the river of Jericho, or cross over the river of Jordan, I'm sorry, on their way to Jericho, when they cross over the river, what do they do? Well, they take stones out of the midst of the river and they build a great heap of stones. They build a memorial and that was designed to help the children of Israel remember what God had done for them. And it was a tremendous blessing to know that their God was working on their behalf. That was to be a, a memorial, a testimony, a legacy for the nation of Israel. Well, here we have a different kind of legacy. So Achan is killed and his family is killed and his even his animals are killed. And what happens? They raise over him a great heap of stones. There was another type of legacy. There was another type of memorial, not nearly as joyful. 
but it was intended to remind the nation of Israel that this is what happens to those who do not keep the covenant of Yahweh God. So as we finish this text, right, this isn't a super happy ending to Joshua chapter 7. I was giving Pastor Will a hard time a little bit on Monday when he was giving us this text. And I said, oh, you get to teach Joshua chapter 6, the incredible victory that God wins in the city of Jericho. And then you give us Achan and Ai. And this is just not as fun of a text to have to work through. But with that, there are there are several lessons here that I think that you and I should learn. First of all, sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. And we see this in, in the punishment of Achan. Our sin is destructive. Temptation is appealing. I mean, Achan here is drawn away. There was nothing wrong with, materially speaking, there was nothing wrong with the Babylonian garment. There was nothing wrong with the gold and the silver. Those are items were fine in and of themselves. But because God said these things are to be set aside when Achan came, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life gripped him and he sinned and he violated God's covenant. And because of Achan's sin, it destroyed him and his entire family. Our sin is destructive. Temptation is appealing. But when we consider the destructive nature of our sin, it should cause us to stop and think, right? In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, I'm so grateful for that verse. It says, there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. So stop and think. When you are tempted, God has given us a way of escape. And when we think about Achan, and when we think about the destructive nature of our sin, it should cause us to pause and contemplate and evaluate our choices and walk rightly, walk in faith and walk in the victory and in the escape that God provides. And really the second big idea that I want to leave you with today is what what kind of a legacy, what kind of a memorial are you leaving with your life choices? When we think about the incredible legacy that was left as the nation of Israel triumphs as they cross the Jordan and God does a great work on their behalf. And once again, God parts the waters and the nation goes through and they build this incredible memorial so that people could look at it and say, look, God is working for us. But now you have Achan and Achan sins and he violates the covenant. And as a result, another memorial is built, but this memorial is a grave reminder of what happens to those who violate the covenant. So in our decision-making processes and in our thinking and in our choices, I think we have to ask the question, what kind of a memorial are we leaving? When people look at our life, will they say, God is working for that individual and in that individual and through that individual, they are passionately pursuing Jesus Christ and fulfilling the Great Commission? Or will they look at our lives and say, oh, it's a testimony, it's a reminder of the destructive nature of unchecked sin in our lives. And I don't know about you, but those are challenging, those are challenging thoughts for me. When temptation comes, pause, think, evaluate, What kind of a choice am I making? God has made a way to escape. Don't fall into the destructive nature of sin. And then think, what kind of a memorial am I leaving with my choices? What kind of a legacy am I leaving? I hope that those are encouraging. I hope that those are challenging thoughts for you as you go through the remainder of your week. 
And I appreciate your willingness to still log in and watch as, as Billy and I have come in for the last couple of days and just filled in for Pastor Will. Uh, I hope that we've been a blessing and a challenge and an encouragement to you as we've sought to teach the text and rightfully divide the word of truth. As I mentioned earlier, Pastor Will and Pastor David are coming back tonight, so please pray for them as they travel. We'll look forward to having them back in services on Sunday. If you're joining us here at Arise for our services on Sunday, Pastor Clayton is going to be with us as well. He's preaching in the 1030 a.m. service on Sunday. I hope you'll be here to join us. You won't want to miss that. Well, as we wrap up our time this morning, I think it'd be appropriate for us to close in a word of prayer. Ask the Lord to help us take the truths here to be not just hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. So let's take just a second. Ask the Lord to help us as we move forward into the rest of our day. We'll give him the honor and glory for everything that's done. All right, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with us. Help us to take these true, simple thoughts this morning about the destructive nature of our sin as, as we think about our spiritual legacy. What kind of a legacy are we leaving? I pray that you'll help us to take these truths, to drive them deep into our hearts, and I pray that you'll help us to walk in victory and obedience today. And Father, I pray that you'll be with each one of us, that you'll help us to make good choices, that you'll help us to walk with you, that we'll continue to passionately pursue after Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to fulfill the call that you have given to us to make disciples. We'll give you the honor and glory for everything that's done, and we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, we'll be praying for you as you go throughout the remainder of your week. Thanks so much, and have a great rest of your day.